They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers. I'm glad to be back because last week we had that funeral for the uh, military man that had died with uh, on the streets of uh, Covina, and we were able to uh, give him a dignified burial. So thank you for being patient. But I'm glad to be back with you, my love. It's nice to have you back. What's our topic today? Well, today, first, we'd like to look at the, the gospel reading for the mm-hmm. day, but we want to talk about St. Joseph. Oh, you're going to stay for that. Yeah, tomorrow's tomorrow's Christmas Day, so we want to... Um, we want to really understand St. Joseph's role in all of this. Mm-hmm. I think uh, he gets forgotten. You think? <laughs> it, seems, it seems like we've almost forgotten him for 2,000 years. He was very quiet. He didn't say a lot. <laughs> the, the original quiet man. But the last 150 years, a lot has been written on St. Joseph, and the church seems to be really profiling his life now more than ever. Yeah. yeah it's about, so, about time. It's a good thing. This is a good thing. So today's gospel is from the Gospel of Luke. Um, it's Luke 1, 67 through 79. This is actually called the Benedictus. It's um, Yesterday's gospel talked about the birth of John the Baptist and his being named John. So now Zechariah, his father, is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesies, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of his servant David. Through his holy prophets, he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. This was the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins in the tender compassion of our God. The dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So that 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 their um, prophecy of Zechariah is filled with, with the confidence and the hope and the trust in God. God is always faithful. And last week we talked about the genealogy, and we talked about the reality of the fact that Jesus is not ashamed to be associated with sinners. If you go through and read the genealogy in the Gospel of Matthew and the genealogy of Jesus and all those ancestors, go back and read their stories in the Old Testament. They weren't all saints, <laughs> and they were all sinners. And some of them were repentant sinners, and some of them weren't so repentant, unfortunately. But the reality is that this is Jesus' family line. So now we have John the Baptist. He's the precursor. He's the one who's going to go before the Lord to prepare his way. He's going before Jesus. And his father, Zechariah, the priest, prophesies who John will be. He's the prophet who will prepare the way for the Lord. The Lord is coming, and this is his... John's role will be to prepare the way for the Lord and John will bring the people he will turn the hearts of the of the fathers back to their sons and the hearts of the sons to their fathers is what the angel Gabriel had told Zechariah when he prophesied the the birth of John in the beginning of Luke's gospel so 
you have this beautiful promise and this beautiful hymn of praise of God that all God does and, and his God's fidelity, just a song of praise of God's fidelity. And I think this is the one we think something we sometimes forget, you know, the problems of this world, we get wrapped up in them. We get wrapped up in our own way. We want to do it this way and somebody else wants to do it another way and we get upset because they didn't do it our way. Mm-hmm. We did it different and it's like, well, really, seriously, can we let go? Can we let go and say, you know what? It's okay to do it another way. You know, we want to make sure we, we keep the moral law of God. And, and most of all, we want to keep the law of charity that you don't attack other people and you don't put them down. You know, if somebody's working for you and they did a bad job, you don't rip them apart and tell them what a jerk they are. You try and show them what a better way would be. Okay. But also have understanding and compassion for the people around you in the tender compassion of our God. The dawn from on high shall break upon us. God has compassion on us sinners. Remember, when you want to tear somebody else down, God doesn't tear us down for our sins. Right. He he wants us to turn to him and repent, and he'll give us the grace. And this is what Zechariah's you know prophecy is about, is this I this reality of, of God's compassion. And we're supposed to imitate that compassion. We're supposed to have the same compassion on our brothers and sisters when they don't do things the way we want them to do them. Sure. We need to have mercy and we need to grow up a little bit and let go of our own way and humble ourselves before the Lord and say, you know what, Lord? So, so they did it a way that I didn't expect or a way that I wouldn't have done it. Well, is there room enough in the world, people? I hey, hope so. There's room enough in the world. There's room enough in the world. Talking about room enough in the world, Mary, I mentioned earlier on the Terry and Jesse show about a good news story. And it ties into Christmas because it's the birth of a little baby. Uh, a mom who refused to do an abortion after her water broke at 13 weeks gives birth to a miracle baby. And this is in England. The doctors told her that she, should, she would miscarry her baby and would be stillborn. But Burton, England mother, clung to her tiny percent, 1% chance that her child would survive. And Mary, uh, because she didn't refuse to give up hope, and we can't give up hope either. Right, right. Her baby girl, Lacey, is alive today. Wow. Though still on, you know, the NICU, Lacey is doing well. That's in the hospital still. Her parents said they hope to take her home soon after the new year. I mean, it's unbelievable. Now, Mary, here's the exciting thing. We talk about pro-life. Thanks to modern medicine, okay, premature babies are surviving at a greater rate than ever. Now, recent studies at Duke University also pointed out that these premature infants are surviving. And, Mary, this what this is what blew me away. Think about a baby, six, seven pounds, you know, normal. The smallest recorded surviving baby weighed less than nine ounces at birth. Wow. But, and, and here we are. These babies are being born with medical attention. They know how to help the baby survive. And at the same time, these babies are being killed through a legalized abortion, right. which is killing unborn babies. And, and so it, the point I'm trying to convey is these people who say that that's not life, even though they don't, you know, we believe that the scriptures talk about it, that we, our Catholic faith teaches its life. Even with medical science, it shows that these babies, 22 weeks old, in the mother's womb, and they're born, 
and they can survive. All I'm trying to say is praise God when we have these stories of moms who don't listen to the doctor. Right. Because the doctors aren't God. Right. And this little 13-week-old baby, this is is so pregnant. Um, 13 weeks. Terry and I had a baby born at 14 weeks. That's right. And my water broke. Now, I wasn't out of hospital, and I didn't have any doctors suggesting that I do an abortion. If, if your water breaks at 14 weeks, the baby will be born naturally. The doctors don't need to interfere. They just need to make sure they keep you safe and do what they can for the child mm-hmm. if it's born alive. And, and this little baby, it's, just, it's incredible because I remember holding little Joseph Mary Pio in my hand. He was the size of the little pro-life model. I was 14 weeks pregnant, but you could count his fingers and toes. Yeah. He was so tiny. He was just a tiny little person. Mm-hmm. He's a human being. And we baptized him, and there was nothing we could do for him. We weren't at a hospital. There was no hospital available. No. We were up in the mountains. And, um, you know, it was, but, yeah, and, and we had, our daughter had a friend who gave birth a little over a week ago now to a little baby at, at 26 weeks. Wow. And the little baby is surviving, and they're hoping. As a matter of fact, the baby can go home in a couple of weeks. And I was thinking, wow, wow that baby's really thriving. And th- th- these are, there are, mir- but, you know, yeah. Every conception is a miracle. Amen. It's one in a million chances. And in addition to that, that you carry that baby full term. Do you ever realize everything that could go wrong oh. during a pregnancy? It's like, oh, my word. And, and yet we pray and we trust in God. And every human life is precious. And every human life is worth defending. And no doctor should deliberately end the life of anyone. That's right. You don't deliberately take a life. If a person's going to die... You let God come and take that person when God is ready. You don't end their life. We don't put human beings out of their misery. We're not animals. We're made in God's image as persons to be loved. Amen. And Jesus was a little baby. He became a little baby to show us the dignity of human life from the very first moment of conception until the very last breath we naturally take. Well said, Mary. You're going to be talking uh, when we come back from the break about uh, St. Joseph and Christmas. There's a great saint that we actually put this on cassette tape back in the 1980s, St. Peter Julian Emmard about St. Joseph. But I'll just give a little teaser. St. Peter Julian Emmard said, Devotion to St. Joseph is one of the choicest graces that God can give to a soul, for it is tantamount to revealing the entire treasure of our Lord's graces. What? When God wishes to raise a soul to great heights, he unites it to St. Joseph by giving it a strong love for the good saint. And I want to ask you, when we come back, I believe if you don't have a devotion to St. Joseph, you will after this show, because we're going to hopefully encourage you to have that great devotion to St. Joseph that the church is encouraging us to do. But I'd like to also... Get some. I mean, he was a quiet man. But what does Scripture and what you know? How does this relate to Christmas with Saint Joseph? I thought he was just, you know, in that nativity scene, just <laughs> kind of as a, um, you know, a model. No, there's more about Saint Joseph in the nativity scene. And when we come back, we will tell you about that. And again, if you like to make a year-end donation for Virgin Most Powerful, call me on my cell phone. I'll take it after the show. Six six one. Nine seven two seven eight seven two. We appreciate all your support for the new for the, for the year of two thousand nineteen, and we pray that God will bless you 
in the coming year. We'll be back with much more on St. Joseph and Christmas on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, the Terra the Bible, Bible with the, the Barbers. barbers. Welcome to our January 11th, 2020 Spiritual Warfare Conference. Every year without fail, this is our most popular, well-attended event. This year's Spiritual Warfare Conference will host Adam Bly, a Catholic demonologist, and an auxiliary member of the International Association of Exorcists, along with Dr. Luis Sandoval, a psychiatrist who's part of the Healing, Deliverance, and Exorcism team for the Diocese of Orange. These two gentlemen bring tons of experience and expertise in the area of spiritual warfare. This is going to be a high-information Catholic seminar. I'll be there as well, sharing some riveting stories on the diabolical and liberation found through Jesus Christ from my best-selling book, The Devil in the City of Angels. Mark your calendars, come and join us, and meet other radio hosts from Jesus 911. Contrary to popular belief, spiritual warfare is not demon-centered. It's Christ-centered. Come join us and learn how to armor up and fight the good fight of faith. Catholics, wake up. Don't hit the snooze button. Join us at St. Christopher Catholic Church, 629 South Glendora Avenue, West Covina, California, on January 11, 2020. See you then. Strength and honor in Jesus' name. Jesus said in Matthew 26, Stay awake and pray that you may not enter into temptation. According to St. Ephraim, Jesus, who feared nothing, experienced fear and asked to be freed from death, although he knew it was impossible. How much more must we persevere in prayer before temptation assails us, so that we may be freed when the test has come? May God grant that we may withstand temptation and carry out His will in all things. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. We're back. We are back. And we're talking. We're going to talk today about St. Joseph and his role. And we titled the show, How St. Joseph Saved Christmas. Well, what on earth? What are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean St. Joseph saved Christmas? Well, who was St. Joseph? Well, in the genealogy... Joseph was the son of Jacob, mm-hmm. and it was he was the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who was called the Christ. So that's in the beginning of Matthew's gospel, Matthew 1, verses 16, 15 through 16. And so Joseph is the husband of Mary, and it's of Mary that Jesus is born. Well, husband, what is he supposed to do? Husband, father, he's supposed to protect and and watch over and provide for the family, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we have it right after the genealogy. We have the story of now how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. This is in Matthew 1, verse Mm -hmm. verse 18, excuse me, following. 
when Mary, his mother, was being, was, had been betrothed to Joseph, mm-hmm. before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to send her away quietly. But as he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, into your home, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had born a son, and he called his name Jesus. So, the birth of Jesus comes about in this manner. Joseph, Mary and Joseph are betrothed. Now remember, betrothal in the Jewish, this is not engagement. Nope. The marriage contract was written. They are legally married. There's no breaking this contract except through a a divorce or through death. So Mary is not an unwed mother. Unplanned pregnancy, yeah. Mary had taken a vow of virginity. She planned to be a handmaid of the Lord, to serve the Lord. And Joseph had to agree to this. So Joseph knew that she had taken this vow. And they had agreed that this would be a virginal marriage. So was the pregnancy unplanned? Yeah, by Mary and Joseph, it was unplanned, but not by God. God had a plan. <laughs> and Mary and Joseph were, were co- trying to cooperate in God's plan. So Joseph, now, you know, people say, oh, well, he suspected her of adultery and he was so upset and he just was, well, it doesn't say here he was angry. And would he have suspected her of adultery or maybe she had been violated? Remember, she went up to, you know, the hill country of Judea for, for three months to stay with Elizabeth. Maybe someone had violated her, someone, someone had attacked her. Um. Father William Wagner of the Orders Canary of the Holy Cross, who does the work of the old, work of the Opus Angelorum, he did a whole set on, it's two full CDs, so it's two full hours on the trial of St. Joseph. And it would be very worth your while to, you know, type in opusangelorum.org and look for the set on St. Joseph by Father Wagner and, and go ahead and get that to get a fuller picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have to understand who St. Joseph is. How are we going to understand this passage? What's really going on here? Well, it says St. Joseph was, an up, was a just man, unwilling to expose her to the law. What are they referring to? Well, one of the characteristics of a just man is that he will never make a judgment based on contradictory evidence. What am I getting at? Well, would he have considered the possibility Mary had been unfaithful or had been violated? He would have probably considered both those possibilities. Mm-hmm. What was the contradictory evidence? First of all, he had known Mary. He grew up in Nazareth, you know, he knew Mary, saw her grow up. He saw the evident holiness of her life. He's, he's married to this woman. He knows her in terms of her holiness, her commitment to God. He knows that she's made this vow of virginity, and now she's pregnant. Okay, so he would look at her. Is she still at peace? Is she still exuding this evident fullness of her union with God? that he had seen in her before she went up to the hill country of Judea. And yes, there's no evidence within Mary that she has violated their marriage 
So she hasn't committed adultery. And there's no evidence within Mary that she has been violated. So she hasn't been violated. So what does Joseph have on his hands? He's got a pregnant virgin on his hands. Mm -hmm. It's like, wait a minute. There's only one virginal, there's only one prophecy. This is the virgin of Isaiah who's going to bear the Messiah. But the Messiah has to be born of a virgin. Mary's married to me. If I marry her, everybody's going to think that I'm the father of this child. And then how, how is the prophecy fulfilled that the virgin gave birth? And Joseph, notice what he does. Tell us. He makes a decision. You know, oftentimes we have decisions to make in life Mm -hmm. and we just kind of sit on the fence and say, well, we'll let's let's see how things turn out. Let's Mm -hmm. just wait and see how things turn out. And we wait and we wait and we just we're letting life happen to us and we're not making decisions. We need to make a decision. You know, you think you have a vocation, make a decision one way or the other. Lord, I think I'm called to marriage and I think I'm supposed to marry this person. Well, then ask them. Exactly. Take the steps. If it's not right, if it's not the right course, the Lord will show you. Joseph decided to divorce Mary quietly. Father William points out something very interesting about this reality. Had Joseph divorced her publicly, denounced her publicly that she was pregnant, she'd have been stoned. Okay, that was the law. He decides to divorce her quietly. Well, Mary is, is married to Joseph. So if Mary is married to Joseph and Joseph divorces her, now it's like, okay, gets the lady pregnant and he's walking out on her. Joseph is going to be looked down upon for the rest of his life that he walked out on his wife because she was pregnant. Right. Because if, if, if she had violated the law, if she had been an adulteress, he was supposed to report her and she was supposed to be stoned. So by deciding to divorce her quietly, it's going to look like Joseph is reneging on his responsibility. And, and Joseph is willing to take that. He's willing to take all the ignominy upon himself in order to safeguard what he believes is the plan of God. And by the way, St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Bernard of Clairvaux believe this, this reverence. He's, he has this reverence in the presence of the mystery of God. Was there perplexity? Yeah. He has to pray. He has to, what, what is going on here? I know this woman. She's vowed her virginity to God. She's a holy woman. She didn't, there's no evidence that she's violated that vow of virginity. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she has the same peace, the same union with God, the same grace seems to be within her. So, so he has this reverence before the mystery of God that if he gets involved, it's going to mess up God's plan because then it will appear that Joseph is the father and he's, but I'm not, this is God's child somehow. This mm. is, I mean, he didn't fully understand. He just knew that. And then the, the, you know, the angel tells him, yes. What is in her is conceived of the Holy Spirit, but it's God's work. God is working in Mary in a way that I do not understand. But if this is, the, if she's the virgin of Isaiah, then she needs to be a virgin. She's married to me. If, if I take her into my home, then, you know, everybody thinks it's my child. And, of course. And so once he's made the decision, then the angel comes to give him clarity. And the clarity is, Joseph, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Okay, all of those of you who are driving out there, don't raise your hands. But if you're a man and you think that the woman you love has been unfaithful to you, are you going to be afraid? What emotion are you going to experience? Anger. Anger, exactly. Or if you thought she was violated, yeah. you experience the, the, the emotion of anger, mm-hmm. not fear. Joseph is afraid. 
The angel says, do not fear, Joseph. The angel's telling him, don't be afraid. God has, you're part of this plan. You're not, you're not an extra. You're not uh, in the way. You are an integral part of this plan. So first, here is Mary, pregnant. Jesus is the Messiah. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And, and Christ is the reason for Christmas because Christmas is about the birth of Christ. And so, so first of all, Joseph has to protect Christmas here yeah. by accepting his role in God's plan that although he knows the Messiah is to be born of a virgin, somehow this child is going to always be thought of as the son of Joseph, the carpenter of Nazareth. Then he wasn't born of a virgin. Okay, Lord, I don't understand, but you have a plan. In a sense, what you're saying is Joseph saved Jesus's life. And what I mean by that is if he did walk away and said Mary was, you know, playing around and I'm reporting that she's an adulterer and they stone her, Jesus would not have survived. Right. So Joseph really is the protector of the Holy Family, all of the Holy Family. Exactly. One more quick note about the angel. You can't get a plug in with angels without saying, you know, don't be afraid Well, our angel says that to us also. Our angel's job is to get us to heaven. And sometimes we are afraid of what God is asking us to do. And our angel is saying, God will give you the grace. Don't be afraid. Right. But you need to get to know your guardian angel because as we joke and we say the unemployment rate for guardian angels is way too high, put them to work. So in this Bible verse where the angel appeared to Joseph, we can also apply in our own life how our guardian angel is appearing to us, many times just by inspiration. I mean, I haven't seen my angel. No. But what I do see is I ask my angel to help me to be unafraid, to be bold, and to proclaim Christ and him crucified. And I think that for our listeners, what's the advice? Get close to your guardian angel. Absolutely. Pray to your angel every day. And and the angel is there to give you light and to enlighten your mind and your heart. And they will give you inspiration. And, you know, most of all, they will help you to pray Mm -hmm. and they will pray with you. Ask them. They'll help us. We're supposed to worship God. You know, everything everything we do should be for the praise of the glory of God's name, that his kingdom would come, that his will be done. These are the three things we should always pray for. And every prayer that we pray and in every work that we do should be for the praise of the glory of God's name, that his kingdom would come, that his will be done. Another way of saying that is we are here to learn to do what we hope to do perfectly in heaven. Exactly. To love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to live purposefully with that goal, intention, and desire always illuminating and guiding and inspiring our daily actions and thoughts to Almighty God. Amen. So beautiful. Mary, uh, this whole teaching on St. Joseph, Father Don Calloway just came out with a new book. He'll be on the Terry and Jesse show January 7th. It's called Consecration to St. Joseph. And I just want to encourage our listeners to go get that from Father Calloway, the Marian helpers. But he says that uh, what what is a consecration to St. Joseph? Basically, it means that you acknowledge that he's your spiritual father and you want to be like him. I thought, how simple does that get? And just like Mary's your spiritual mother, St. Joseph is your spiritual father. The spiritual father of St. Joseph is extremely important to you. We're going to share more about 
St. Joseph, protector of the Holy Family at this Christmas season on the Ontario, no, on the, the Bible, Bible with, with the, the Barbers. barbers. <laughs> I get so confused. We'll be back with much more. We'll be right back. Welcome, Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother? Hi, I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I had a buddy at work who, you know, he's a lukewarm Catholic guy, and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app, and he kept putting me off. So one day, I grabbed his phone, and I downloaded the app <laughs> for him. I went on vacation, and you know, I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of put me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle, and he says to me, Hey, man, I've been listening to Terry and Jesse's show, and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple times a wow. week. He goes to the mass in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's an uh, on-fire Catholic, and he promotes uh, the Terry and Jesse show on the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Wow. Daniel, what a testimony. And I want to encourage our listeners to get those cards by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and uh, do what Daniel's doing. Go out and spread the faith by inviting people to listen to Virgin Most Powerful. Daniel, thanks for your testimony, brother. God love you. You're welcome. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And it doesn't cost you a dime. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year-round. May God bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you, Jesse, for bringing us back there. That's right, Jess. So here we go. Now, St. Joseph. Okay, so we know that already he, he cooperates with God's plan, and he takes Mary into his home. And so the first protection is the prevention of um, the danger of Mary being left with child, either to be stoned to death or to be just left with no one to take care of her. Mm-hmm. So he, he does what the angel says, and then... They're up there in Nazareth, and and doggone those Romans. Caesar gets a great idea. He's going to take a census here. And so they're in Nazareth, and this is long about, you know, eight, nine months into the pregnancy. And Joseph is from the house and the family of David, so he needs to go to Bethlehem to be registered with Mary, his wife. 
And so they go to Bethlehem, and this is, you're talking 90 miles, and in those days you walked on foot, Mary's riding on the back of a donkey. Wow. Now, you know, I can imagine, you know, me, you could do a, you could do a sitcom on this, you know, and mm-hmm. the grumbling and the mumbling and the moaning, we, you know, I would do if, I would, if it were me, <laughs> you know, but Mary and Joseph aren't doing that, and Joseph is protecting Mary all the way, and, and in protecting her, he's protecting the child. And they go, to, they go down to Bethlehem, and of course, Bethlehem is crowded with people because everybody from the house of the family of David was supposed to come to Bethlehem and, you know, whose, whose ancestral line connects with David was supposed to go there and be registered. So they, they go there and there's no room in the inn for them. Mm-hmm. And so they find a cave, which is, which served as a, a, a stable they, usually there were caves in the side of the hill. And this is the shepherds would put their animals in here at night. And, um, but Joseph is there. And so, and I, I know some people like to think, oh, well, you know, here Jesus was born into this dirty stable. Mary and Joseph may have been poor, but you know what? Stop associating with dirt with poor people. Poor people aren't necessarily lazy. You know, there's a lot of rich people who are very lazy. That's right. They won't do anything for themselves. They'll pay other people to do things for them, but they won't do anything for themselves. So no, it's not. Joseph and Mary went in, they would have cleaned out, Joseph would have cleaned out that stable. He would have seen to it that there was fresh hay in there, that everything was clean and and suitable to bring his, the child, this child of God that he's, he's, he's been named the guardian Mm -hmm. and the safeguarder of this child's life. So he has to bring him here into the, in, in, and so he's going to make it as, as clean as he possibly can. And they've had a long journey (laughs) It's a long way from Nazareth to Bethlehem, but he's going to take the time to clean it up. And while they're there, the days of her confinement come to to, to term and she brings forth her son. Mm -hmm. And Joseph is there to watch over them, provide for them, protect them from any harm. And Joseph will, when, when the child is eight days old, they'll take the child up to the temple to have the child circumcised. And um, then he's given the name Jesus, which is the name that the the angel had given beforehand. And so we we learned from Joseph. Now, one again, how many of us, if we'd been asked to make that journey on foot, ninety miles, you know, and you know me, if if I'm a woman, a pregnant woman, ninety miles, you know, I I wouldn't have done that, you know, and and, and imagine a, a spouse that you have to do this, that this we have to do this, we don't have a choice, and yet he doesn't grumble, he doesn't complain, and then when he gets to Bethlehem, he has to clean out the stable, and and again, he's not gr- grumbling against the people who don't give him a place in the inn. He's not grumbling against the innkeepers and the people who won't take him in. Mm-hmm. He finds a place for Mary. Right. So in our own life, how do we apply this at Christmas time? You know, things are hectic. Things don't always go the way we want them to go. Things aren't perfect. Things come up that doesn't look nice or didn't work out the way I wanted. Are we going to grumble and cry and complain and whine? Or are we going to be grateful for what we have? Are we going to lament what isn't or take joy in what is? Mm. So Joseph provides the best he can, and what does he provide? A stable. Now, it's very possible that since Joseph was of the family of David, he did own a piece of property in Bethlehem, and that that what he actually did is not finding a place in the inn, which would have been a more suitable place. He went to that property, which obviously he wasn't living on because he was up in Nazareth, that he would have gone there and, and found this, you know, the cave and cleaned it up and, and got it ready right. for Mary to come in and, and bring her child. But no, 
you know, the, the complaining and the whining and the, the, the struggle that we have. And to welcome a child, even in circumstances. Whatever circumstances. That look less than promising. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> not the child's problem. You're having, you're having your baby boy in a, in a, in a barn. Yep. You know? It's like, oh, um, yeah, so, so we should kill the baby because it's going to be born in a barn? Nope. No. No. So we need to reach out to those who have less and, and try and help those, like St. Joseph would, provide Provide, but without grumbling and without condemning others, but but building people up and being there ready to give and and to um, protect mm-hmm. and and direct and guide. So Joseph and Mary bring forth their child, and of course, you know the, the shepherds come, and there's the worship of the shepherds, and the shepherds came because the angels told them to come. Right, and then you have a great stir in Jerusalem. Because the shepherds go back to their flocks, and at some point after Jesus' birth, and, and in the Gospel of Matthew, it indicates that Joseph planned to stay in Bethlehem. Why do I say that? Well, in Matthew 2, we have the three wise men arise, arriving. And what does it say? Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east, astrologers, came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to govern my people, Israel. So Herod summons the wise men. He finds out when the star appeared. Mm-hmm. Careful, exact dating. He wants to know exactly when it appeared. Go find the child. Mm-hmm. And then when you found him, bring the news back to me so I can come and pay him homage too. The wise men think, great. So they leave Herod. And suddenly that star that they had been following, which they had lost momentarily, when they got to Jerusalem, they could no longer see it, so they went to the palace of the king to find out where's the newborn king. So they go, and it says that they rejoiced with great joy and going into the house. Wait a minute. I thought Jesus was born in a stable. Hmm. Now they're going into a house. So Joseph apparently had settled in Bethlehem. He was planning on staying there because the baby was born there. Well, we'll just set up shop here. He's a carpenter, a general contractor. He can do work. And mm-hmm. he got a house. He secured a house. And now they go into the house and they worship him. And they open their treasures and offer him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they're warned in a dream not to return to Herod, but to go back to their own country by another way. Mm-hmm. Well, what was Herod really up to? Mm-hmm. The wise men are warned, don't go back to Herod. And as soon as the wise men leave, what happens? Joseph is spoken to in a dream by an angel. The angel always speaks to Joseph in a dream. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. There was another Joseph, another son of Jacob in the Old Testament who always was spoken to in dreams. So Joseph is told by the angel, rise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there till I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Did you hear that? Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Yep. 
Now that's a biblical passage and that has a definite historical context. Herod was going to kill the baby Jesus. And what does Herod know about the baby Jesus? Herod summoned the people, summoned the scribes and he inquired to them where the Christ was to be born. Do we get this picture? Herod knows that this child is the Messiah. By the way, Herod's not a Jew. He's an idiomite. Okay? What's the difference? And he's from Edom. And what's interesting is there was a prophecy that prophesied that when the Messiah came, Edom shall be disposed Mm -hmm. in Numbers 24, 18. It says that Edom will be disposed. Now, Herod had made himself very familiar with all the Jewish prophecies. He knew a lot about the Jews and their prophecies, and he knew about the expected Messiah, and he is going to kill this child. Is it fair to say that Herod didn't want any competition of any other king? Yeah, absolutely. He was very, as a matter of fact, Herod had killed members of his own family. Yeah, that's how, that's how crazy he was. Well, he was so, he was paranoid. so paranoid. Yeah. He had made friends with the Romans. The Jews didn't like him because he was friends with the Romans. Right. And the Romans had appointed him as governor because the priestly, at, the, at that time, the Jews had been being ruled by the priesthood, the, the priestly class, and it was falling apart. The Jewish, the Jewish state was dissolving into chaos. And so the Romans said, fine, we're going to appoint a king. So they appointed Herod. And the Jews don't like him because he's friendly with the Romans. And so, and he's, he is, he's so jealous, he's so afraid he's going to lose his position that he kills members of his family if they think that, that if he has any, the least inkling that maybe they're going to come and try and take the throne away from him. He's just, it's like, Herod, you, you know, you're just a man. You've got a limited lifespan. You're going to die someday. You're going to mm-hmm. leave it all behind. But so Herod knows that this child is the Messiah. That's the prophecy he asked for. Okay, where's the Messiah to be born? Where's the Christ to be born? It's like, and you're going to try and kill him? Yep. Are you serious? Have you no fear of God? Mm. And people, this is a warning to all of us. This is what sin does to us. Exactly. It makes it, us stupid. It makes us really stupid. And it takes away our fear of God yep. so that we think we can do all kinds of horrible things and get away with it. Yeah. No, it doesn't work that way. If you reject God, God will, he's not going to force you to choose him. You have a free will. God made you free. And you have to choose whether or not you're going to choose God. That's right. Are you going to turn away from him? And he won't violate your free will. We have Herods of our own country today, in our own age, people who say that they want to put God to death. You know, right. remember that in the 1960s? Right. And uh, that movement and atheism that says, you know, anything about God we want to snuff out. Right. Right. So in a sense that they're like King Herod. They are like King Herod. We want God out of the picture. We don't want God involved. And it's like, why? You know, we need to wake up and realize we came from God. We're supposed to be going to God. Amen. <laughs> so we don't want to be like Herod. So we want to keep um, turning back to the Lord. Well said. We'll be right back with much more with the Bible with the Barbers. I get it right? We got it. We'll be right back. Um, I'm going to call Matt. This is Matthew Arnold for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. This March, VMPR, in association with the Catholic Resource Center, will be hosting a special conference for the Adoramus Society. Adoramus at the Triduum 
a conference on the spirituality of the Triduum liturgies, featuring speakers Father Joseph Fessio, Dr. Anthony Lillis, and Christopher Carstens, addressing such topics as developing a liturgical spirituality, the spirituality of Holy Thursday, the spirituality of Good Friday, and the spirituality of the Paschal Vigil and Easter season. It all takes place March 14, 2020, at the historic Sacred Heart Chapel at 381 West Center Street, Covina, California, 91723. You can register online at vmpr.org or call now at 877-526-2151 to reserve your seat today for Adoramus at the Triduum. Jesus said to the apostles in Luke chapter 10, Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me. According to St. Boniface, In her voyage across the ocean of this world, the church is like a great ship being pounded by the waves of life's different stresses. Our duty is not to abandon ship, but to keep her on course. May our Lord help us remain ever faithful to his church, to aid and defend her. selling your home or your business property this is terry barber real estate for life underwrites the terry and jesse show and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world and when they receive their referral fee they will give 80 percent of it to a pro-life organization wow that's 80 percent realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, Terry has stepped out for the last section of this show. Today is Christmas Eve, so Merry Christmas to everyone. We will have a Mass at the chapel this evening. Um, the, the ordinate in union with the chair of St. Peter will have their Christmas Eve Mass at 7 p.m. this evening. Tomorrow, the only Mass at the chapel will be the um, Melkite Rite Mass at 11 a.m. So at 11 a.m. tomorrow, Christmas Day, the Melkite will have their Mass at, at the chapel. But this evening at 7, there will be the Mass of Our Lady of Grace Parish, the Ordinate in Union with the Chair of Peter. Uh, there will be Christmas caroling beginning at 6.30. So um, you're all welcome to come. Come and pray. There will be lots of vigil Masses this evening, midnight Masses at a lot of parishes. So, so Joseph is here. He's protecting the Holy Family. He's watching over them, providing for them. They've gone from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Mary's given birth. They've gotten a house. They're living in a house. The wise men come and see them in the house. And then when the wise men go back to their own country by another route, Joseph is awoken by an angel and told to take the child and his mother and flee into Egypt and to stay there until he is told. So now... Herod is going to seek the life of the child. And Joseph's told this. The angel tells him. And so they're going to go down to Egypt. And so just as the Joseph of the Old Testament uh, saved his family in Egypt, when they were going to starve to death, his family was allowed to move there. Jacob and his sons were all allowed to move to Egypt because of Joseph. Now Joseph, the head of the Holy Family, is going to take 
the Messiah down into Egypt to bring the presence of God to Egypt to redeem those who are there. And so this will fulfill the prophecy, out of Egypt have I called my son, which of course is you know, the, a prophecy that talks about the historical reality that the, the Hebrews had been slaves in Egypt and they were brought out of there. But then it's pointing toward the Messiah. That historical reality was pointing toward something beyond itself. And so Joseph is there and he protects and he has to, he has to take Mary and Jesus and go down into Egypt. Now there was a community of Jews living in Alexandria. So there was definitely a place where they could go, but nonetheless, that's a, that's a, a long journey. And Joseph is going to fulfill God's will. He's not going to complain. He does what the Lord says. And he also doesn't hesitate. Oh, okay, Lord, well, wake me up in the morning and I'll, no, he gets up immediately, immediately. Okay. And Joseph gets up at once and he takes the child and his mother. And of course, once um, Herod realizes the wise men aren't coming back to him, he waited, you know, who knows how long. He probably gave him a week or so, you know, just gave him some time to spend time with this newborn king, you know. And, and once the wise men would depart, he had to wait till they were gone. And then they don't come back and they don't come back. And after a while, he's like, hmm, well, guess what then? Every baby boy two years old and under in Bethlehem and its environs. So all of the area around Bethlehem will die. And, you know, how many infants were there in Bethlehem at the time? Bethlehem was a small Judean village. There may have been 40 little boys. I don't know. Or more, but still, you know, one, the death of one innocent child is an absolute tragedy. And, and today we have this tragedy going on too. And are we fighting for the right to life for every child? Joseph and Mary couldn't stop the slaughter of the innocents. And again, we may not be able to stop the slaughter of, of every child that is being murdered through abortion and contraception, but we can try and help people understand that every life is precious and every child has a right to life and a right to be loved because God made them for love. And so Joseph protects Jesus, and he has to go all the way to Egypt with him. So all the way from Nazareth, you know, to Bethlehem, and then to Egypt, <laughs> the long route, right? And so Joseph shows us this example of obedience, prompt obedience without complaining, he shows us this example of being willing to let go of his own plans and to readjust, to let go of his own judgments. He judged that the best thing to do was to divorce Mary quietly. And the angel tells him, no, no, Joseph, this is not God's plan. And then, you know, he's, he, he gets to Bethlehem and the baby's born and he buys a, buys a house in Bethlehem. I guess, I guess it's time to settle here. And then Herod's going to seek the life of the child and he has to flee to Egypt. Do we have trials in our life? Do things not go the way we plan? You know, yeah. <laughs> so we can look to St. Joseph to ask us to have the courage and strength to bear things with a great um, docility of will and docility of heart to not complain about when things go wrong and to, to serve those who are in need. Joseph certainly served the Holy Family. And the Holy Family certainly served the poor around them. That, 
you know, that would have, that's a given that this was something they would have done. And when they went to Egypt, they would not have refused, you know, an alms to anyone that they could possibly help. And again, you don't necessarily have to give to every beggar that comes to your door, but we do have to serve the poor and we need to be concerned for them. And sometimes the poor in our world today, like the homeless, the greatest thing they're missing is their human dignity. Look at them, ask them their name, call them by name, and, and tell them that they're made in God's image and that they are God's children. And treat them that way. Treat them with a dignity that is that worthy of that. So we follow the example of St. Joseph, and we want to welcome Jesus into our homes and into our lives. And we want to welcome the children, by the way, we're supposed to be open to life and to protecting life. And we're supposed to be striving <laughs> to end abortion and the use of artificial contraceptives. And by the way, artificial contraceptives don't necessarily always prevent conception. And, and when they don't, they're abortifacients. They cause early, turn, early uh, spontaneous abortions, but they're chemically induced. And um, we need to be aware of this. And we need to realize this is a degradation of the human person. I was in the grocery store the other day, and, and um, one of the checkers was talking to this man, and he said, oh, how's your wife feeling? She's, she's getting better. And, and, so, and then the, lady, the woman said to the man, oh, so you're gonna have her, she can have her tubes tied now? And he said, no, not yet. And I thought, not yet. Why do you want to mutilate yourself? Why, you know, having your tubes tied, vasectomies, this is a mutilation of the human person. This is a degradation of your dignity before God. Don't reject who you are. St. Joseph had this trial he had to go through. He thought God's plan was to live with Mary, yes, as a virginal spouse to serve the Lord. And he must have loved her deeply and dearly. And then she's pregnant and he figures out this is a virgin and she's pregnant. God's doing something here and I'm not worthy to be here. And so he's going to put her aside quietly to protect her. And then the Lord tells him, no, it is my plan that you be seen not only as the spouse of Mary, but as the legal father of Jesus, that everybody's going to think he's your son. Absolutely. This is my plan. So Joseph puts aside his own plans in order to accommodate himself to God's plan, to allow God to work in and through him to bring about what God desires to bring about. And he, he does everything within his power to protect the Holy Family, to provide for the Holy Family. He's a hardworking man. Are they rich? Do they have everything this world has to offer? Do they wear fancy clothes and eat fancy food? No. As a matter of fact, the first couple of years are kind of, um, we would say, well, they were traveling a lot, right? <laughs> they did a lot of traveling. <laughs> Only in those days, you didn't travel by airplane or boat or car, you know, so the traveling was a bit rougher. And in all of this, he doesn't complain and grumble against God, and he doesn't even complain and grumble against the Romans and those who are responsible for these decisions that made it and all of it serves God's purpose. And Joseph becomes more humble in all of this. And he's also a great advocate for us and a great example. So we want to look to the needs of those around us. 
Even as Joseph looked to the needs of the Holy Family, his family first, he served Mary and Jesus first. And he took care of their needs before the needs of anyone else, including his own. And he's willing to renounce his own perfect paradise in order to allow God to write the script. And God writes quite a varied script, doesn't he? From betrothal in Nazareth and a, and a steady job and a, and a home to live in to uh, going down to Bethlehem and, and seeing his, this child, this son of God, being born in a, in, a, in a stable. And then from there having to flee. Someone is seeking the life of a child. Only it's the child, the child who came to change the world. All of history changes with the birth of Jesus Christ because he is truly God with us. Nothing before, nothing after will ever compare. We measure history from the birth of Christ. And Joseph is willing to participate in this according to God's holy will. That's all he wanted to do. Are we willing to do that? Do we ask the Lord every day for the grace to know his will and then to do his will? And young people, you know, so many young people in our world, don't be afraid to make commitments. Seek the Lord, ask him what he desires you to do, and then do it with all your heart. So many young people are becoming saints. They're giving their lives to the Lord in full service, whatever the Lord desires of them. Some of them are becoming religious women, the women. Some of them are becoming priests. Some of them are married people, but just young people who've committed themselves to the Lord. And this is what we need in our world, like St. Joseph, to commit ourselves completely to the Lord and to know that God is trustworthy. God will do in us what he desires to do if we just give him permission and allow him to work. So we look to St. Joseph as that example of obedience at that example of perfect trust in the Lord, of that example of perfect docility and, and quick response, not waiting till tomorrow. So we ask St. Joseph in this Christmas time to pray for us that we too will be faithful to the Lord and that we will respond to his call. If you want to make a donation, you can call 877-526-2151. Today is Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas, everyone. There is a Mass at the chapel this evening at 7 p.m., the uh, Christmas Vigil um, Mass, Christmas Eve Vigil Mass. You're welcome to come. And next week we'll be back with Bible with the Barbers, and we'll be in the Christmas season. So we may do a little more on the Christmas season here for the next couple weeks just so we can... Have a deeper look into the mystery, this great mystery that God wants us to enter into. And what does it mean for us in our lives today? And how are we supposed to respond to God? May Jesus, Mary, and Joseph be with us during this time and help us to live in union with God. God bless you and Merry Christmas to you all. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great High Priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere. 
and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.